Healthcare is rapidly changing. Innovative technologies and new treatment paradigms are changing the way we tackle the world's pervasive health issues. I'm Alex Godan with Oxner Health in New Orleans, Louisiana. Join me as we go inside Louisiana's largest healthcare system, where we discuss new ideas in confronting these healthcare challenges. We talk to thought leaders and healthcare experts to explore the latest innovations in patient care. Welcome to Innovation Health. There's been a huge rise in stress since the pandemic began, caused by the major changes in how we go about our daily lives. The population is experiencing increased levels of depression and anxiety, and many people are having a difficult time coping. Today, we talk to Oxner psychologist, Dr. Jackie Ball, to understand what is going on with our mental health during these times and to learn what to do if we are feeling depressed or anxious. Dr. Ball specializes in cognitive behavioral therapies in the treatment of trauma-related disorders, depression, anxiety, and emotion regulation difficulties. Thank you so much, Dr. Ball, for joining us today. I'm really glad to be able to talk to you today about the subject of mental health, especially because I think a lot of people are dealing with these issues during the pandemic. What is it about a pandemic that is bringing a lot of mental health discussions to the surface? All right. Hi, Alex. Um, I would say that we are all aware that the last five months have been very difficult for most of us at some point or another. Um, and I would say that it's the loss of control and the unknown and the uncertainty of the virus that are the main factors leading to individuals having mental health struggles. Um, what we know is that a lack of perceived control fuels stress, right? So research has shown that when we are faced with unfamiliar threats like this new coronavirus, especially if those threats are out of our control, we're more likely to experience things like fear and dread. Um, our minds have a tendency to develop anxious thoughts when there's a gap between what we desire to know and what we actually do know. So, for example, um, a, a very common question that I've had some people or some patients asking themselves is, when's my income going to get back to normal? Or when is my job or workplace going to reopen? And unfortunately, many folks, we don't have that answer for them or they don't have that answer at the current time. So the mind develops anxious thoughts to try and fill in those gaps. Um, also, I'd say in terms of people experiencing depressive type symptoms, um, research has shown that social, social isolation can be very detrimental to our mental health, which is hard to hear when we know that physical social distancing is one of the main strategies that we use to keep us safe from the virus. For people who may be unsure or unfamiliar with what anxiety and depression looks like, what are some signs or symptoms they should look out for? Yeah, so I would say when it comes to anxiety, if, if someone is experiencing physical symptoms of anxiety, right? So um, out of nowhere, maybe they have difficulty breathing, heart racing, um, sweating, those kind of panic-like symptoms. Um, that's kind of our key signs of anxiety. And also the worry parts of anxiety, like not able to kind of stop your mind from the what ifs and, um, you know, being stuck on kind of that tra track of thinking. Um, also with depression, we just say a lot of 
um, you know, difficulty getting things done that you would normally be able to do. Or some people just say like they don't feel like getting out of bed or don't have the same desire or oomph to, to get up and do the activities that they normally enjoy. And a lot of that can be due to maybe they can't enjoy the same activities that they used to because of the pandemic. So they have to try and find other ways to fill their time. So when do you think or at what point should people seek professional help? If someone is experiencing anxiety or these low moods or, you know, other difficulties mental health-wise that become more intense or kind of out of the norm that they maybe have experienced in their life, and then they'll notice it starts impacting, negatively impacting their personal lives or professional lives, that's when they should really seek help from a mental health professional. So when, when you do acknowledge that it's time to seek help, where can someone turn? Where do they even start? Well, I'd say as working at Oshner, I think that that's, it's a really good place to start because we have very quickly been able to switch to all providers having virtual appointments. Um, and so that was something that, you know, we're lucky in our department that we didn't skip a beat, right? Because we don't need to do physical exams. We're able to have patients through their My Oshner account get into appointments with us right away. And so we're doing business as usual when it comes to therapy. Um, and then the psychiatrists as well are being able to do the same type with medication consultations and, and management. Um, and even I'd like to really point out that I'm very proud to be part of um, a program. I'm the lead psychologist here at Oshner for our behavioral medicine unit, which is our intensive outpatient program which typically is held in person. It's um, for 10 days and uh, patients come for several hours a day for group therapy and meeting with the psychiatrist. And whenever the pandemic started, that was a big rug pulled from underneath our feet, right? That, oh, we can't have this program that so many patients rely on when they're really in a crisis or having a difficult time. And it only took us a few weeks to figure out how to turn it all into virtual. And so since April, uh, the beginning of April, we have been doing the having the BMU through through Zoom, through the HIPAA compliant version of Zoom through Oshner. Mm-hmm. But it has been um, so helpful for so many patients. I've had many patients that have completed the program and say just express so much gratitude that we've been able to continue this virtually throughout this pandemic because. One, we're still here for them, but then two, they don't have to worry about going and get exposed by going in person um, because right. so many of our patients do have anxiety around the you know, the virus as well. And so it keeps them safe in that way, being able to do it from the comfort mm-hmm. of their home. So I'd love to talk about sort of coping mechanisms in two sides. One for the individual, how you can help yourself through this time, and then another side, how you might be able to support others, your friends and family. So just kind of starting with helping yourself and really supporting yourself through this, where, where would you tell someone to start? What are those tips and tricks people can turn to? Yeah, I would say in terms of coping during this pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I would encourage others first off to practice self-awareness and self-compassion during this difficult time. It's important to be aware of our anxieties or our worries about dealing such a, it's an unprecedented, unpredictable situation in our lives right now. And so they need to learn to be aware of what's going on in their their minds and their feelings, and then to be kind to themselves, right? Because this is an absolutely appropriate response and difficulty to be having during this difficult time. 
Um, also, we know that ignoring our stress reaction can actually make things harder for us in the long run. So oh, being, really? Yeah. So avoidance of feelings and, of dif- and, and, and difficulties can actually make things worse. So we want to be aware of what's going on with ourselves, being mindful of that, and giving ourselves some compassion. Um, secondly, I would say to start one thing that um, working with patients has been helpful um, and in this situation and in others is to practice what we call radical acceptance of the situation. Oh, okay. And this means accepting the adverse effects of COVID-19, such as the social distancing leading to, you know, schools closing, working from home, being secluded to our homes, um, you know, having to wear masks for safety. So radical acceptance refers to complete acceptance of the facts of a situation and stop fighting the reality. Because what happens is when we are able to do this, we see that the difficult time turns into more what we see as ordinary pain in life and not such an unbearable suffering. And we actually feel more in control of the situation um, because we've made an active choice of accepting the reality. How difficult would you say that is for people to achieve? Do you think that is a hard, a hard thing to just really submit to that total acceptance? I think that it is. Um, we've had patients. It takes time. It's a practice. It's a mindful practice of being able to um, remind yourself and accept the reality. But just like with anything, if we stop and recognize um, the the moment we stop trying to fight something, fight the reality of it, then it gets easier to deal with. And so that's what I would encourage folks to do is just looking at it in that sense and focusing on the other hand of what we what we can control, right? So that's kind of the other side of this. And so um, we practice a radical acceptance, but then on, on the other hand, we look at what we do have in our control, right? So um, we do have in our control setting regular routines for ourselves, right? Trying to keep a regular routine for us or for our children. Um, that helps, you know, give us a good way to cope and lead to some um, balanced mental health. Um, also doing things like taking care of ourselves, our basic needs by exercising, um, you know, eating healthy, getting enough adequate rest. Sleep is very important to our mental health. Um, And then to use some positive coping skills, um, such as doing things that are naturally pleasing, like eating a good meal, reading a good book, um, taking some time out in nature just to um, enjoy the sights and sounds around you. Um, Learning to practice if you don't already practice relaxation exercises or mindfulness meditation um, is some, a very helpful positive coping skill a lot of folks have learned to turn to during this pandemic. Um, there, And for folks who these exercises might be new for, there are a lot of apps on cell phones that are can help guide you through these exercises, through relaxation, through meditation. And actually a lot of the services are providing free during this time um, to help folks to, to, you know, to deal with the, the pandemic. You mentioning the phone kind of just sparked a question for me in that I know for myself, at least, being in the house all day, kind of just sitting around a lot more, I find myself just on my phone more, on social media, you know, really sucked into the technology right now. Do you think that there's a de- detrimental aspect to that? I would say, I'm not sure about it being a detrimental aspect, but I would say that we encourage folks just in general, even before a pandemic, to limit media time to screen time, especially prior to bed, at least an hour, because we we don't realize how much screen time and then also just media news coverage can interfere with our sleep. 
So um, making sure, one, to balance the amount of news coverage, media coverage, someone's reading or watching when it comes to the pandemic and other things going on in the world. Um, don't, you know, not, not spending too much time kind of sucked into that um, is important. But then also when it comes to the actual screens, the, the phones, the tablets, the TV, shutting that off an hour before bedtime can actually really improve our ability to sleep. And I know that's really hard hard for most folks to do, (laughs) even including myself. But what I tell patients, um, they'll say, well, I have a TV in my bed and my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, I do too. And, but you know what? I don't have problems sleeping. You know, if you have a problem sleeping, then we need to start looking at what things are getting in the way of you getting that sleep and pulling out, you know, teasing out those things and taking those away from you. Um, I don't have a problem falling asleep after a, <laughs> being a mom too. I'm, I'm, you know, tired by the end of the day. So appreciate every second of sleep you get. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of being a mother or being someone in a family household, what are some of those coping strategies you can have? in terms of your interpersonal relationships. I know you gave the example earlier of, let's say you have a, a high school senior who isn't graduating. What could you do as a family member or friend to support people going through these things? I think that you said it all, support. I think knowing just even just the, the words that we say, the the gestures that we make to people to no, let them know that you realize this is a difficult time and you're not getting the things that you really dreamed of, like those high school seniors. So if families can rally around them and try to find some ways to make it special for them and finding ways to still celebrate them. Um, so just supporting folks in ways that we know they they would appreciate and know that we're here for them um, is important. And again, I, I just that notion of radical acceptance you mentioned, just not dwelling on it, I'm sure helps a lot. Just you accept it and then you can move on from there. Right. Because um, if we spend all our time just hope, you know, like going over in our minds over and over that mm-hmm. it's, it stinks that this is going on. I'm not going to get to have the birth that I wanted, for example. Okay. That is true. And it really does stink. I, I I'm there with you. I agree. I validate that, but let's focus now on what we can do to make it still a special event, even though this is the situation that we're in. Is there anything that just kind of you wish you could say to people out there who are struggling right now and and feeling really kind of lost during the pandemic? I would say just to be, like I said, that awareness and being kind to ourselves is first to key, Um, but then to reach out, right? Whether it's to pick up the phone and call a family member or a friend that you have or to reach out to your primary care who can get you hooked up with a psychiatrist or a mental health provider in our clinic. But, you know, taking that first step can be difficult for, to reach out for support. But once we see that once people get over that first hump of making the first step, then they're so thankful that they did it and they start seeing the progress right away or the improvement. Wow. It's a powerful thing. Thank you so much again, Dr. Ball, for coming and talking with us today. I definitely think that this is a conversation that's going to be really relevant to a lot of our listeners and definitely make a difference for some people to have some more sense of normalcy in their lives. So thank you. You're welcome, Alex, and I'm, I'm appreciative of having you having me on or somebody from our department because it is a very important topic, especially during this time. So if you are being affected by a lot of anxiety and depression and you feel that you need some help, or even if you just find yourself in a situation where the difficulties of life are getting to be too much to handle, it's important to seek help. You can visit my.oxner.org to schedule an appointment with a therapist. Again, 
That's my.oxner.org. And remember, if you are contemplating suicide, tell someone close to you or call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255.